0: You're by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. My name is Father Peter Bussett.
1: My name is Scott Powell, and we are the Lanky
0: Guys. Yeah, and uh, we rejoice. For those of you who participated in the SEEK conference, it is spelled S-E-E-K, not S-I-E-K.
1: Oh, SEEK. I was thinking it's
0: S-E-A-K, but there's no such word. SEEK you have to put an O on it, and you can have a watch
1: Seiko. Seiko, isn't that S I E? Don't talk to me like that. Okay, (laughs) this is. I feel like this podcast is headed the wrong direction.
0: This is. So what happens anyway? Seek is that whenever we have pressure, I end up being totally divergent.
1: Whenever you have pressure, yeah, it's true. You put all of your pressure onto me. We are. And I am stressed for you. The
0: lanky guys. Yes and that's so we're together in this oh i this see what is, you're saying we're, we're i thought you were doing this, another intro this isn't just like, personalism we dude we're not we're not we're not just like a no, we we're are, together w- we win and we are okay. one body one by. lanky body. That sounds weird. I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> That's too gnostic, which is actually the problem. Not gnostic
1: is the opposite of gnostic. Oh yeah, we're headed yeah. down the wrong road once again. Okay, so this is the. sixth I complained sun- like last time that we were too weathery in the beginning of the <laughs> podcast. Oh, the weather is really nice, and I didn't want to be that podcast. But I'm not sure I want to be this podcast either.
0: <laughs> this is the sixth Sunday in ordinary time. A oh, week well, you're after just seek. going for it. And uh, for those of you who joined us last week, we look forward to having you with us this week, unless yeah. we've already dissuaded you oh. from joining us. Which is possible. I
1: think last week's podcast was a good one. I agree. Did you see what I titled it? Yes. A Job Well Done. I was inordinately proud of that. Oh, I now get
0: it. <laughs> what did you... not, I thought it was a job well done. No, you need to
1: say it out loud. It's a job well done. A job, job well done. done. I, you see what I did there? Uh, a okay. job Okay. So it's six Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our first reading is coming. So, oh, there's so much. It's Valentine's Day. Well, the Sunday that you will, that from the readings we're talking uh, about, is Valentine's Day, Day, which I'm so excited that, that in the providence of God, this is the first reading that we get on Valentine's Day. Leviticus chapter 13, <laughs> verses 1 through 2, and jumping to 44 through 46. Which is the, a good jump. I have to say the level of detail. I read the whole thing from 2 to 44. Because this is where it talks about pustules and scabs and, and blotches. Hairs and, uh, yeah, there's hair coming out of the pustules, and it's Happy Valentine's Day.
0: So, anyway, that's the first reading. Our second reading is from the Psalm 32, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, verses one to two, five, and eleven.
1: Yeah, with the response coming from seven. Sorry, that's your job.
0: Seven. Hey, our uh, yeah, man, we're on this together.
1: Oh, good. Our second reading is coming from chapter one, verse uh, what? First <laughs> Corinthians chapter ten. Verses thirty-one through chapter eleven, verse one. Yes, which actually is about us being in this together. Which we more on that soon.
0: Yep. Do not call me more on. And then our ah. gospel is um, uh, Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark. Yep. Um, the disciple <laughs> of Peter. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> Just in That's good. Mark one forty to forty-five. Yes, not Mark Wunch,
1: 40 through forty-five. The Mark one.
0: Dude, I brought up the Wunches the other day to somebody.
1: Did you? Yeah,
0: I can't remember why.
1: Oh, that was a uneventful story. <laughs>
0: That's, thank you. God bless. All the right. so so Leviticus chapter thirteen. I have to say, you know, I, I was as I was reading this this. I if you haven't read this, please read this before you keep listening. It's I am very so worthy. excited
1: for. Oh, no. I mean, do we really have lectors in COVID times? No. In COVID well, tide? No, but this... I wish there were lectors because you would have a good chance of someone who didn't look at it beforehand who gets up to the lectern and just starts going. Well, but I guess I, in COVID tide, there are very few lectors. Maybe there's some. Maybe there's some parishes.
0: Well, I wish I... Me, I was, uh, <laughs> you all right? <laughs> okay. do you want
1: to take a nap? Do you want to do I, this later? I do. Jeez.
0: <laughs> so I was... I was looking at. I was like, you know, as my job as a priest, it's changed a little bit. You know, the Levitic, Levitical priesthood. Oh, yeah. Like, from this. Yeah, yeah, I'm like I. You don't do this anymore. So happy that I'm a, not a medical examiner.
1: Um. Yeah. What is the uh? What is the medical term for leprosy? Um. There's a term, and I, I'm blanking on what it leprosy. is. leprosy. No, no. There's a, a like a modern disease that we um I, that I shouldn't have brought it up if I didn't have the answer. No, Father Peter. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Yeah, see how I funny I am? Do you see why you shouldn't bring things? Hansen's disease Oh, Hansen. is what we call the, what, what the Bible refers, seems to refer to as leprosy. So and there is a legit disease here. Which is why they all sing mbop. I, I knew I knew it. As soon as I said it. As soon as the Come word on. came out of my mouth. Come on. I was like, why did you bring up Hansen's Bop. disease? Okay, do, 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 do. okay Leviticus, do, 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 do. man. Leviticus. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it, and I don't care who hears me. I love Leviticus. Nobody says that. And the reason I love Leviticus is because if you can... Find the con. The reason people hate Leviticus is that there's no context. You're like pustules and ooze and hairs and sores. What, and, and priests, and it, it gives you very specific um, instructions on how to sacrifice goats and how to cut them up. And like, what is this book? What is it? Every this is the one where if people make the you know New Year's Eve res- New Year's resolution to write the Bible in a year, this is where everybody throws in the towel. You're like, oh my gosh, Leviticus is ridiculous. Do you know who did it in a year? Mike, Father Mike Schmitz, um, Deacon uh, Deacon John Stapleton. With Did us.
0: he? Yeah, he. The other day, he's like, "I'm not finished," and I was like, "You know, it's how only many February." Of us, I mean, he had started last year.
1: Oh, wow, yeah, and he's late. That's it's, good. Good for him. I'm actually, <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah. am. I really do love. Uh, I, I don't mean to make fun of it. I love Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year podcast. I don't know if you listen to it ever. I've it's listened just, to a few of them. Which it's um, praise be to God that he's doing this. Dude, and he's, he's working with Jeff Cavins and stuff. Total was, rock star. But I'm so curious um, to hear what he does with Leviticus. I can't wait. So anyway, because um, I'm just excited to hear how he contextualizes that. Man, that is intense. It's awesome. I'm happy he's doing it not me. But there's a part of me that's like, oh, man, what a great idea. <laughs> Dude, I mean, the lanky guy's Bible in a year. It's coming. It's coming. Move
0: over, Father Mike Schmitz. Move, move over. We coming. The, the lank is here. All right, so context. He doesn't have to move over
1: very far. He's lanky, lanky, too. Yeah, he is lanky. Um, we can all be together in a big lanky family. The context of Leviticus, here's what I love about Leviticus. If you understand that, number one, Leviticus is primarily written for a group that's not us— namely Levitical priests who have a job that the rest of us don't have. Even you as a priest, you're not a Levitical priest. Your job is very different. So understanding that it's written to a specific group of people for a specific reason, but it's also being given as a punishment in a certain sense, right? actually makes it make sense. It doesn't make it more pleasant. It doesn't make it more you know rainbows and butterfly-y, but it, it gives it a context. You're like, oh, okay, this actually makes sense. And what is fascinating about the book of Leviticus, there's two things I want to point out you get a lot of things about clean and unclean in Leviticus. This is where we get a lot of that language. So there's certain animals that are considered unclean, and sometimes we translate that as kosher, right? Kosher and unkosher. It has to do with cleanness and uncleanness. And people, ta- and there's certain people or states in life or things that might happen to you that could render a person unclean, not just an animal. And the mistake is to read clean and unclean in Leviticus as moral or immoral or good or bad in some way. That's not what clean and unclean is about. It's not that if you're or this food or whatever it is is unclean because you have something bodily that's happening to you bio- biologically or because you have a disease or because of whatever else. It doesn't make you bad. It has a very specific context. and what it means to be unclean means it is not permitted within the pre- within the precincts of the temple. And there's a very specific reason. So it's a liturgical quality, not a moral quality. Does that make sense? 100%. Okay. Which is super helpful when having disputes with
0: the general population who say um, how bad the scriptures are yeah. and how they
1: The do Bible's th- so mean and sexist and evil and right, cruel. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason this is important. So it's temporary. And that's a very important thing to note. Leviticus is not a permanent, forever law. It's for a particular time and period in Israel's history when they need to be purged of something. And so what it means to be unclean, and this is where you begin to see this played out in the story, to be unclean, uh, well, let me say that the other way. Any diminution of life, any life that leaves the body, whether it's bleeding or contact with a dead animal or a fly that you've swatted Or, you know, after you give birth and there is life that leaves your body, any of those things would render a person ritually, liturgically unclean. Again, not bad, not immoral, unclean. And the reason that's important is twofold. Um, The temple was built, the tabernacle only comes... Really, after the sin of the golden calf, after Israel has made her pretty profound downfall of rejecting God and distancing herself from God. And so the temple was designed to be a place that was to remind us of the Garden of Eden, to, <coughs> excuse me, to remind us of when God dwelt with humanity in a tangible, sensible, um, communal fellowship way, which is still the case, which is today. still the case, absolutely. But the reminder, the built-in reminder of this was that anything that represents death or anything that is associated with death or diminution of life in any way is not permitted in there because it was meant to be a reminder that there was a time when death was not, at least death as we know it, was not a part of the human experience. And there will come a time in the future when death will be defeated. And so death is not permitted in the place where we are reminded of humanity's true tell us what we were meant to be, how we were meant to live, and what we're not meant to be afraid of. The interesting byproduct of this, of not allowing anything that is connected with or associated with or, or has to do with death, is number one, if you think about the historical context, where has Israel just come from? They've come from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Do you remember what culture was utterly fascinated with death and all things death? Um let me guess. <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> it's Egypt, right? The the pharaohs, the sarcophagi, the the uh, pyramids. All of this stuff is death and how much stuff can you put in the tomb and how elaborate can the tombs and death and all the things the pharaohs take with I mean death 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 death. So in a certain sense it's meant to be countercultural. We are not Fascinated by death because we know it's not the end of humanity, and we know that it doesn't have the final say. Even in the Old Testament, long before Jesus, this is already built into the culture. Right. But along with that, you know, you mentioned a lot of people see this as perhaps sexist or you know, um, cruel in some other ways. It's very interesting. Did you know that in Israel, the infant mortality rate and the mortality rate among new mothers was profoundly lower than anywhere else in civilization, because Built into birth, when a woman is ritually unclean because life has left her body, there's almost a quarantine period that she has to wait before she can come back to liturgical worship, before she can enter back into the community. And as a result, disease that usually ravaged newborns or newly uh, new mothers didn't really exist in Israel because God built in this plan that would safeguard not just keeping death away, but it safeguarded new life mm. and it safeguarded mothers and it safeguarded women. These really interesting ways right. that shows the providence of God at work. Right Now, this particular instance, to bring it down to a practical matter... This is as about as death-filled as you could get, and leprosy or Hansen's disease. I mean, right. it is walking embodiment of diminution of life. This, I mean, it was it was hard to look at. It was, I'm sure, much harder to live with. I mean, all over the body, the skin, all you see is walking death. I always wondered if where the if the concept of zombies came from, leprosy mm. or this ancient idea. I don't know because it is like embodiment of death. And the reason that the the scriptures on Valentine's Day of all days <laughs> point us to this one is because this is this is the height. And if you are so unlucky to actually have to bear this sort of cross you number one, you're cut off from your community. You cannot interact with anybody else because if you, it's like cooties. If you touch somebody, <laughs> then they become unclean too. So everyone's like, eh. and the reason or the what you do with that, you have to walk around yelling, unclean, unclean. You have to declare, which would have been embarrassing and shameful and difficult. You have to declare to everybody, don't come near me. I am cut off. I'm not permitted entrance. I'm not allowed to be with you, and everybody Sounds would avoid you. Sounds very
0: contemporary
1: kind of. I mean, that's actually what we've been living through it worldwide. Is. Um that's what it is. That's what this reading's about. Um the reason I think it's profound, and we'll get there when we get to the gospel. The reason I think this is profoundly appropriate even though I made fun of it and kind of laughed at it for Valentine's Day is that Jesus is going to take this concept and show what actual true charity, what actual true love is meant to look like and how love actually upends the way that sin has ravaged human identity, dude. And I've got a, I've got a, I've got something for you that's going to mess with how you're
0: doing it once we get to the gospel. All right, I can't wait to get there. And the Greek is revealing some crazy. I'll reveal you're crazy. Well, this is actually what the podcast know. actually is:
1: revealing of crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, that's just, fair. you just
0: basically come and we talk about all the things, and then we realize, yep. We're crazy. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it yeah. says so Psalm um, thirty-two. Anything else on Leviticus? Psalm thirty-two.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: I don't have anything else other than wow. I'm glad I'm not a priest in that age doing those things.
1: Yeah, and then the priest would have to deal with it. They would. Well, the priest actually didn't deal with it whatsoever. This is sort of the sorry. The last note on Leviticus. Um, the priest has the sole responsibility of once either the time period is up or the leprosy has gone away, of making the declaration that, yeah, this person's cool, they're okay, they can enter back into the community life. They also don't touch the person, they don't interact with the person oh. they don't they don't do anything that affects change, which is they
0: simply announce it, which is an interesting reality when you come to actually confession, oh. Because confession. where I thought you were going. Yeah, confession for a priest now is the, the the priest stands in three of the four harmonies. Yeah, they stand in the place of God to yeah. be able to offer the forgiveness of God. They yeah. stand in place of the community to offer the forgiveness of the community. Well, that's to, interesting. To, to I haven't declare, about that. To declare clean because it's God, neighbor, yeah. self, and creation. The the person and so themselves. that we can
1: enter back into the communion absolutely communion
0: literally with it, the church exactly yeah. and so well. then self the the person actually has to admit before another person right. and in that action there's something that's reconciling with self
1: and you see it all the time in the confessional. I would take it a step further. We've talked about this in Second Corinthians. There's a line that says, um, "What is it? Whoever is in Christ is a new creation." Right. And so I would say all of creation is actually bound up in our redemption and our. Being brought back into communion with Jesus and the and, community, and that's the fourth. That's right. the
0: fourth harmony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, so, so I, I see that. So, in a certain sense, this is a prerequisite. I mean, like, yeah, to, it's a to, foreshadowing, right? Because Jesus is always kind of going and saying, like, "Oh, yeah, if I can't heal the body, but then I can say I can heal sin, which is greater. But that you may know, yes. I'm gonna heal some body."
1: Yeah. Um, I wonder if there's a connection then with what you I I. I think we'll see if it falls apart, but I feel like what you just said makes Psalm 23 or Psalm 32 rather actually come to life in a different way. Well,
0: this is, this is what's interesting because it says, blessed is the one whose fault is removed, whose sin is forgiven. Uh-huh. And this is actually why what I'm saying was actually the connection to Psalm 32 Okay, is that in reality, we're seeing like, uh, it's so easy to attribute the mor- to moral realities to physical ailments. Yeah, absolutely. Which is always yeah, yes. right? You you know that you say, "Why am I marked? Oh God, I yeah. cannot have children." You know that like that's. Well, a look huge at Job one. last week. This is right. the whole
1: question of Job,
0: right? Which sometimes there are actual moral qualities that lead somebody
1: to be sick. Yes, and, but yeah. it's not a universal. Well, we are, we are, our, our they are bodies, sin. and our souls are not separate from each other. So the right. body does often reflect the soul.
0: Right, and there's that line in scripture, and it says, and they, uh, the, their bodies were sick on account of their sin.
1: Yeah, right, right, and right.
0: And so I can't remember the address, but like, the, but this is that's actually where we say, oh, okay, you know, like. There is there is a helomorphic connection. That's the that's the technical term for body and soul connection. Helomorphism. Nice. So well done. Yeah. I know. I'm just pre- that's a cool word. I know. And I can tell you feel you know the, very happy about it. That would name. be the name of a band, the heliomorphism.
1: The heliomorphs. The heliomorphs. <laughs> that sounds like the backup band. Peter and the heliomorphs. <laughs> All right. Well, let me blow your mind a little bit. Maybe it's not going to blow your mind. I don't know. But the context for Psalm 32 actually takes this another level. I oh. think. Um, so the context. I'm trying to not just read this word for word from a commentary Hang I have. Up. But I was I was reading it this morning. I was like, oh, that's cool. So um, obviously, Psalm 32, as you already said, it's 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 a testimony of joy because of God's gift of forgiveness to the penitent who confesses their sin, right? So that's right. that you already talked about. But the context for it, uh, some people think that the psalm appears to be a liturgical dialogue between David and God that's taking place in the temple, in the presence of the congregation. So basically you have three parts to the psalm. You have David um, speaking to God. God speaking back to David in the presence of the assembly who are listening in. And then David sort of receiving the word from the Lord, this revelation in a certain sense, and presenting it to the congregation, the community that's gathered there. Oh, so it's kind of an antiphonal experience. Kind of, but it's also sounds a lot like this experience of confession of this intermediary between God and the congregation. Say it again. Say it again then. So it's it's believed to be traditionally a dialogue taking place between God and David and in the presence of the congregation and then David receiving this word of repentance, this word of penitential healing from God and then uh, proclaiming it to the gathered congregation. Yeah. Which it's not exact, but there's an analogy for what you're saying about the individual in confession and the priest standing on behalf of the community and of the individual. This is what David is sort of doing in this setting. Which is well, kind of cool. Well, so the other day
0: I was hanging out with um I was hanging out with some brother priests. We had a luncheon and uh, a luncheon. People
1: don't have luncheons very often anymore, <laughs> unless you're in Downton Abbey. You guys want to go to luncheon? <laughs> I it's good.
0: I never say luncheon. Where did that come from? I
1: don't know. It's the height of clericalism. <laughs> come on, guys, let's go to luncheon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the height of clericalism. You rat. Come on. Okay, so okay, so you're so, at luncheon.
0: So we were luncheon. <laughs> We were lunging in and, uh, with your cognac, and and a light bulb appeared over my head, and I um, and I was like, ding, and I realized <laughs> that you're um, mixing metaphors there. Just a just a note. no. no uh, light I bulb l- ding. A light bulb can have an onomatopoeia. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it so the light bulb over my head dinged Sparis. me. Sparis, <laughs> oh lord! I'm just seeing how far I can it's take ca- this until you can't even take it anymore. No, um, that. The order of public penance in the church, so so penance always used to be a public act. Yeah, right. And right. so what you would do is you'd you'd confess to the bishop, and the mm-hmm. bishop would, would put you in different orders for a different amount of times. Yep. So you would be in the courtyard of the church telling people to pray for you for three months. Then you would be able to enter into the narthex. Were you allowed to go home at night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. Right. Yeah. This would be for like mass time. You would right, no, go just and kidding. like. I... Yeah, the, but yeah, but then then you'd go into the narthex for three months, and then you'd be in the congregation, and then but without communion for three months, and then right. you'd finally be a ridden
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I was like, that is actually the experience of the universal church. <sighs> How so? The church is closed. We were oh, all... You mean right now? You mean in this present? Yeah, moment. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like what happened is we were all kicked out of church,
1: and we have to go to YouTube.
0: We had to go and to we YouTube. Have three months
1: of YouTube, and then we have three months of social distancing, and then we have. And then, it's f- then finally, we're actually
0: readmitted to a, to a full communion with one another, like where we can actually unmask and to reveal the, uh, the countenance of ourselves. Oh, that this we, is interesting. That we've actually been in a process of public penance. Um, which, which is a funny. Sorry, go for it. Which is our, my letter that I'm sending out. So if you're one of our donors, you'll get a little
1: bit of a, an expl, a, a explication of it. Well, it's a funny thing, and and it requires some subtlety, I think, on our on our behalf, because what we're not saying. Because I'm, I'm with, I think that's a beautiful analogy. Um, I don't subscribe to the sort of theology that says, well, God was so mad at everybody. He cursed us with a plague, right? And gave us a pandemic or, you know, Hurricane Katrina, everyone was so sinful in New Orleans. There was a hurricane. Like maybe I don't know the work, the ways of God, but what we have the opportunity to do is we do know we're sinful. We do know there's a pandemic and there's a lot of things happening We do, if we recognize our own sinfulness, we can still take it as penitential, whether we have the sort of theology of God is really mad and sent us a punishment or whether we just recognize, wow, we're really sinful. And, And sometimes there's simply consequence to what we do and what we do in the world and the ways that we interact. And we will take that on freely as penance. And we will take the way things are. And even if there is crookedness within it or there's manipulation or things that are happening that ought not be happening, we still have the freedom as followers of Jesus Christ to take that on as our penance, to take on other people's penances on our behalf and to own it rather than sitting around and grousing about it or being grumpy or angry about it and how could it happen to me, which is the human temptation. That's what I always want to do. But to say, no, God's given me an opportunity. To be penitential. And so, yeah, we'll live it. We will live Because that's this... where the grace comes. That's where the healing comes. Absolutely. That's where the reconciliation comes, is the free choice of Christians to take upon themselves their punishment and their penance and their reconciliation so as to save the rest of the world. Because it comes from— Through this... Jesus. Through Jesus. Jesus saves the world. And, the, and this is actually
0: one of the hard things that I find with the idea of of the permissive will of God. Yeah. That yeah, and somehow no, yeah, it's no. like, ah, well, I guess I'll make a compromise, <laughs> right. versus yeah. saying no. God's will is perfect and complete right. and entire in its whole right. from the beginning until the end without error. Right. Right. And that, that 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 somehow that that this is not actually part of the song of salvation, like right, like right. So, this is some anomaly or some mistake. Right. That God didn't notice, and he's like, oh, woo, shoot. And oftentimes what we do is we make a compromise to, to be able to speak to somebody to say, this is the permissive will of God yeah. so that we can soften it saying that yes, I- I- evil does ex- ex- exist in the world but then somehow there is there is the will of God in relationship to this but we can't necessarily answer mm-hmm. the full narrative yeah,
1: no. in relationship to your particular suffering. We can't. And mm-hmm. it's right that we can't because if we could it would give us a little bit too much power. There is a humility in saying, I don't understand. Right. But yet, there are certain things I do understand. I understand sin. I understand my sin. I understand penance. I understand the gift that I've been given to enter into this. Right. Even though I don't know the ways of God.
0: And that's that's where I think it's it's actually really, and I think that there's going to be something really interesting that's coming. Part two in the gospel, there's a translation of a singular word. You keep... the, the Preferencing because you keep leading into it. You but better I,
1: not blow it, man. You're really setting us up. I'm setting you up, dude. <laughs> this is it. Well, we got to get to 1 Corinthians first.
0: First... Corinthians,
1: which does, believe it or not, apply. I think that there exactly should be a sitcom
0: called First Corinthians. Oh, that would be <laughs> a disaster. <laughs> it would just be like uh, you know, it would be like uh, all the other HBO terrorists. I was gonna
1: say it would need to be on like HBO or something because that's not network. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Corinthians that's, is yeah, a little bit raw. I, uh... but. This is not so raw. No, Um, this is good. This is, again, context is important. This statement that Paul makes when he says, Brothers and sisters, whether you eat or drink whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And then he talks about Jews and Greeks and trying to please everybody. Um, This comes hot on the heels of a long discourse that Paul has just had with the Corinthians over the moral morality or immorality of eating of eating certain meats which may have been sacrificed to pagan gods on pagan altars and whether it is acceptable for Christians to actually eat those meats even though they have associations with pagan gods and this evil and stuff and he basically says look meat is meat but if what you do causes your brother or sister scandal or to sin or to despair then this neutral thing that is food or meat actually becomes a curse and Paul this is right after Paul says you know what if my eating of something or not eating of something might have the slightest chance of causing scandal to my brothers or sisters in Christ for whom Jesus died I'll never eat meat again I will sacrifice that I will take that upon myself and right after saying that and saying look it's not about meat it's not about these particular circumstances it's about the fact do you actually care about the others in the body of Christ and the Corinthians don't necessarily seem to, as so they need to be told this. And then he says, brothers and sisters, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. The thing I think is kind of compelling about this is that we've talked about this because we've been in 1 Corinthians for a while. One of the themes of 1 Corinthians, and I say it's a theme because Paul keeps repeating it. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. So he says, he talked about rights. He's like, I have the right to do whatever I want to. I am a son of Jesus Christ. I, there's no slave or free. There's no male or female. There's We are given this gift of identity. So, you know, I have a right to receive payment from you guys for what I do because I'm doing it good. But I decided to sacrifice that payment and be a tent maker so you can never accuse me of swindling you. I have a right to be married, he said, but I chose to forsake that and sacrifice family life so that I could minister to you. There's lots of rights we have and the Corinthians are very big on, well, I have a right to do whatever I want to. And Paul says, yeah, fine. You have a right to do whatever you want to, but does everything, is everything beneficial? Now he twists it and he says, all things are lawful for me, which is what he says. I have a right to do things, but now he says, I do all things for the glory of God. So there's a difference between your rights and God's glory. So if you have a right to do something, if you have a right to live a particular way, is that thing glorifying to God? And if it's not glorifying to God, then maybe it should be thrown out. Mm -hmm. Paul's like, I have a right to eat whatever meat, whatever I want to eat. I can eat meat. I don't have to be a vegetarian. But if what I do might cause scandal or sin or something negative to someone for whom Jesus sacrificed his life, then I will give glory to God by sacrificing and fasting from that for the rest of my stinking life. And then he goes on this whole thing about avoid giving offense, whether to Jews or Greeks to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in every way, not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many that they may be served. So be imitators as I am of Christ. It sounds almost, if you read that, like he's saying, just be nice to everybody, just get along, right? He's not saying just get along, but he is making a statement that something that is strangely in dispute in our day and age that kindness actually is a virtue. There is something about actually showing the disposition of kindness and generosity to people around us. He's like, I don't seek to offend people by what I'm doing. If the gospel of Jesus Christ causes offense, Paul's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of of being imprisoned. Right. Anybody. He's not afraid of being imprisoned or beat up or shipwrecked or in prison or anything. He's not afraid But he also makes it clear. He's like, I'm not going out seeking to tick people off. And sometimes I think there are Christians that seek to offend. We want to shove it in your face. Paul's like, no, I want to glorify God. (laughs) Whether you're offended by that or not, that's not my problem. But I don't seek it. I seek God's glory. I don't seek my rights. I don't seek my well-being. I don't seek my own benefit. I seek God's glory. And how is God's glory manifest? Through the body of Christ in the church. So he's like, so if you want to imitate me, imitate Christ, because that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. I think it's a powerful, and I think it applies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my little soapbox about Paul.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I look and and uh, I, I can't help but think of uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall.
1: <laughs> that's what we were all thinking about. <laughs> we don't need no, uh, education. How can
0: you, how can you have your pudding unless you eat your meat?
1: That's. I could just repeat it because he just repeats it. Yeah, yeah. But,
0: but this is this is the thing I, I, <laughs> that I that I see with. Uh, with Saint Paul is that, yeah, the the time that it it is needful to actually um, move. It, there's this there's kind of two different experiences that uh, that I, I find. We have mm. diversity mm. and unity. And yeah. unity in plurality says, you know what? I'm actually going to discover. This is what, like, the church's process of ecumenism is. Ecumenism. Is... <laughs> Don't take fun of me. <laughs> I didn't say... Nobody can say I ecumenism say on the first try. Ecumenism. Okay? Yeah, sorry. Okay. But this is the thing is that we, we look to f- bridge a fundamental basis of how we can actually get along. Until we understand the differences that we that we have, I mean, that was our lecture the other day by yeah, um, right. by uh, uh, Colonel West and, and Robert uh, George, Robert George, yeah. Cornell, not Colonel Colonel West, <laughs> Colonel West, Colonel uh, Colonel, and uh, General, um, and that's that's where I'm like, okay, yeah, so so it's like Saint Paul saying, like, no, this is our process, right? Like like we we actually go fundamentally because we we actually our goal is
1: everybody. And what's the only way that Paul seems to see a route to doing that? Denial of self, sacrifice of self, and taking upon the penance of sin—not just individual sin, but the sin of the world. Oh, I see what you're doing. I mean, I do think that's how we have to read him here, and I think that is where we go. Perhaps in the, the common thread here, and it's where we came from, with the confession that we were oh, talking yeah, about, oh, yeah, with yeah. Psalm 32, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and ultimately with the the reading from Leviticus. Right. Paul is saying. I'm putting my money where my mouth is yep okay so that takes us I think pretty cleanly into choose gospel cleanly did you choose that um, you know I'm doing my best here man <laughs> <It's fine.
0: laughs>
1: did you choose that Yeah, of course I chose it come on I mean it was uh, fun it was fun don't mock me all right I'm not mocking you. Are you oh, mocking me? You. No, <laughs> the one who made the
0: dumb comment. We we love you. No, that's not a dumb comment. It was beautiful. It was because right. we're talking. I didn't about do it on purpose. I Leviticus, wish I did it on purpose. Yeah, I didn't just, do it on purpose. Oh well, that was awesome. It was in the providence of God. So a, le- a leper, you know, the, the, uh, Hanson came to him and kneeling down and said, <laughs> "I wish I'd never told you that. <laughs> like the, I wish this ring would never come sa- to me. Sa- sang the song, Bob. Oh my gosh! I I'm, wish I'd have never told you. It's that. it's not it's no, it's, it's not to be diminishing it. I, no, I, it's I not. Mean, dimin- God, yeah. The real people suffer for real. And if you guys watch the Human Experience, it was actually really. Oh yeah. It was a real profound when they went into right. the leper colony yeah. and like, which still exists, believe it or not. Yeah, this is still a real right. thing. And he says, "If you wish, you can make me clean." Now, this is where I gotta say something. Okay. Um Orgizo. Or gizo. Okay. The, the we translate this moved with pity. Okay. Okay. So this this comes up in the Old Testament. This this word comes up in the Old Testament. I don't know, seventy eight times. New Testament, nine times. Okay. Okay. Um, and so that's like what you know, like eighty plus times. Yeah. Every that's a lot of times. Every single time, except for this time, <laughs> it is translated with
1: anger. To be angry really and so somehow they well the verb itself means a strong emotional response so that's interesting yeah 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 but ex- it, it most of the time it's exactly angry. to become hot that.
0: or angry to be How angry or sad or to quake or to tremble with okay so it's it's a v- strong emotional response which is normally the idea of angry How interesting! Except
1: for this particular, so this is. So what you're saying is, this isn't Jesus. Like, oh, look at the poor leper. Right. Which and is important have, because have, sometimes we want to dismiss his response of like, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Right. No, this is visceral. And I actually yeah. think
0: that it's beautiful in th- taking it in anger because it's what is
1: the proper object of yes, this that, anger. Yes, that's exactly what is he angry at. It's Ex- not the leper.
0: It's not the leper. And this is why I think that we don't, we say compassion. Yelling into the microphone. <laughs> to com- com- oh. Compassio. Yeah. To suffer along with. Yeah. So I see. I can see it, but the but that suffer, but but the passion of anger is a distinct one that, that arises within a person to help them to overcome a perceived injustice, okay. or so to what's get the, a good that's difficult to so attain. So what's the object? Well, because I know what I think it is. I think that it's it's it's. Um, well, I think that there's a couple of things. I okay. think you actually have freedom to look and to see what the object is. That's fair. I don't think it's the person. No.
1: I don't think it's the person either. I and don't I, think it's this dude. I,
0: so I think that's critical. So yes, coming that, from that's then, really
1: important. I think that
0: it's um, it's the exile, okay? I think it's I think it's the, the whole process of alienation uh-huh. from creation from self from God. Yeah. Like I think it's actually sin. I actually think that it's it's somehow the, the Hansens disease that he has mm-hmm. within him. I don't know. What do you think it is? I think it's
1: death itself.
0: Wow, because the diminution of life. I think he's angry at the power back. of
1: death because that's what he's oh. going to go and pick a fight with and destroy. And I think... I, th- I'd, and, To say that almost over simply, because your nuance is actually more important because for me to just be like, death, he's mad at... Yeah, no. but what's no. the manifestation? It's all the things that you said. I mean, you can't... So I, I do think I'm right. You're but- getting root. Yeah. I think I'm right, but I think you're also right because how is that manifest? It's in all of these different... Exile, di- um, disintegration of the human person brokenness, disharmony, all of these things are um, manifestations or, or effects of death. But but look at what ends up happening to him because he touches him and he publicizes well, we gotta it. we got to talk about the touch first. <laughs> Tell me. This is important, though, because this is—we don't—we're not shocked by this in the way the original um, witnesses and readers would be because, as I mentioned in Leviticus—this uh, is why I use the cooties analogy— if you touch someone who is unclean, what happens? You become unclean. You're unclean, which is why you can't touch them, which is why they they have to declare it so you don't accidentally touch the person and become... Again, we're not talking about a moral quality, but we become... And this is where it's not, it's not an ontological thing. It's not that you're ontologically unclean. It is that you're not permitted access anymore. You're cut off. You are not part of the community, but this is an external thing. Nothing, and this is, I think, a misunderstanding fundamentally of Israel. Not that God's at fault here, but I get the impression that Israel began to think of it almost as ontological, that you actually, you are unclean. Not that you're experiencing this thing, which makes you have to live out of this particular circumstance, but you are unclean which is never the intent. It was to remind us of what God would eventually do. And so instead of Jesus being made unclean when the unclean person touches him, Jesus literally takes upon himself the old law of Leviticus and embodies the reversal, the full steam, 180 degree reversal of that. And instead of he becoming unclean because he's touched, his touch reverses it and cleanses the unclean. But his very body... Takes on the reversal of the Levitical law. When this is why,
0: when this is the med- meditation I always have about the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah that's a, that's the right analogy.
0: Right, he flips up, he flips it upside, yes. and rather than the the waters
1: making him clean, he makes clean he the, waters. the water. And this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus's body does. It affects change, not just spiritually, but in the world. In
0: the world, so he 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 manifests this change, but then yes. the effect is now he's doing public penance. Who? Jesus. Yes. He's taking on the 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 reality of what this man is doing. He, rather than him being the, 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 rather than this leper being exiled, he says, go show yourself to pre- your, the priests yep. and don't tell anybody. Oh, no, he
1: says, don't tell anybody, right? Well, he says both. Yeah. He says both of those things. And that's important. I don't want to skip over that, even though we're almost out of time. He says two things. Um, first, it says he warned him sternly. Jesus is in a and, in a punchy mood this day, yeah, yeah, right? He's got he's got mad. some, he's he's got got some stuff. like he got some he's real uh, big emotions. He's got big emotions today for what he's fully human. Emotions are not sinful. Jesus had emotions. I know it's weird to think about him that way, but he's emotional today. Um, He's emotional about death and its effects. And then he sternly, I I wish I knew what the Greek was for sternly. I'm just curious. But he sternly warns him, dismisses him, and says two things do not tell anybody. Why on earth would Jesus want to keep this secret? Do you know? Have we talked about the messianic secret on this podcast before?
0: I feel like we have. Embry Momai, be warned, sternly scold, be deeply moved reproached. So it's like, again, it's like, it, there's it's, a negativity to it. It's a negativity with like, with profound emotion con turned in what LSJ not...
1: says, snort in. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I don't, I, I really don't have any mileage though. I don't know why exactly he does that because we know what happens next. The, the messianic secret though, is this theme that runs through Mark. Um, that's a little confusing because uh, depending on where you are in Mark, Jesus will heal people or perform a miracle. And seemingly randomly, will say to some people, go and tell everybody. Go and share it with everybody. And to other people, he says, don't tell anybody. (laughs) And you're like, what is wrong with you, Jesus? But I think there's a geography to it. And I think we've talked about this. Mm. Whenever Jesus is in the vicinity of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, he keeps it secret. Why? Because once word begins to really spread about what he's doing and who he is, he knows that the cross is imminent. And he knows that he has stuff to do before he goes to the cross. He didn't simply come to be crucified. He came to establish a church and establish the gospel. And he needs to do stuff before he dies. And so he the fact that he can tell this guy simultaneously, don't tell anybody, but do tell the priest. There is someone you do have to inform. And the reason he has to inform the priest is because the priest is the only one who can do what? And declare him clean. Which lets him back into the community. Right. It sets him free from this bondage and exile and allows him to come back again. That priest doesn't affect anything, really, except to say, okay, we can have you back. Right. And he needs, Jesus cares about his humanity enough to know that you need to be back in your community. But don't tell anybody else, because once the priest hears about it, And what's the Pharisees then get word? They're like, wait, who did this? How did this happen? Who is this guy? And we know how the story goes. We know how angry this makes the religious leaders as time goes on. Um, Gives them proof, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, the man went away. Uh, My translation says, began to publicize the whole matter. Do you know what it actually says in the Greek? I, I can't remember the Greek word, but I noted it. It says, he preached a lot. Which is actually, I think, a funny way that Mark is wording this. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. So what's yeah, he yeah. respond with? He preached a lot. Yeah, freely. To preach or proclaim freely. Pola. Preach a bunch. Kerisen pola. To to give the kerygma he freely. He preached a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love, which is, well, I don't know if I should love it or not. He disobeys Jesus. And to spread abroad the account. Yeah. <laughs> it's never okay to disobey Jesus. But at the same time, this is where there's a weird paradox. But at the same time... His encounter with Jesus is too much for him to keep quiet. He can't keep it to himself because as much as the leprosy was a communal matter because it sets him apart from the community, his reconciliation yet needs to be declared so he can communally be brought back in, but he can't keep it to himself. So I don't know what to do with the fact that Jesus tells him to do something. He doesn't do it, but it's because he can't keep Jesus to himself. So I'm not sure what, I'm not sure if I'm upset with him or not. Um, But like you said, then what's the what's the point of the story? What's the end that he's not exiled from the community anymore, but because he did this. Jesus is exiled from the community. So he takes on. So I I said, you know, he doesn't uh, take on the leprosy, but in a certain sense, he does. He takes on the effects of the leprosy, which is exile from the community. Mm. So Jesus has to hide. He has to go. He, He takes on the effect of what this guy did. So as to set him free, what has he done? He has freely taken upon himself the penance of this person, this child of God who's been cut off, which is what? Paul just talked about. That's what Paul means when he says, if you want to be imitators of me, be imitators of him. What does he do? He takes freely upon himself the sins of the world. And that's where
0: in my conversation with my priest friends at our luncheon, (laughs) we all said, gosh, we wish we knew that we were doing public penance right when this thing began. There was just yeah. kind of this universal sense of like, oh, no, you know what? I actually can freely choose something in this. Yes, Cause, cause, yes, 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 yes. Because this is actually one of the hardest things
1: is when we don't feel like we can actually freely choose. This, I think, more than well maybe not more than anything else. This is one of the things that Christianity gives us. You have this guy who is trapped in his exile. He's trapped in his penance. There is no way out. Christianity doesn't take away. It does take away sin, but the effects of sin are still present in our world. We still are we still sin, humans right. still sin. the consequences are still there. What it does is allow us to take that not in a slavish way, but to say it's like what it, you just said it so well and now I'm bumbling it if we only Christianity gives we us can the choose freedom something in us to choose something in it, right? Consequ- choose- sin comes, consequence for sin comes, but Christianity gives us the freedom and the grace to choose something profound in union with well not with the sin, but with, with well, this is the thing,
0: is that is that
1: sin, sin and here? evil is a privation. It is a yes. lack of
0: being. So yeah. when what happens is that when something is missing, something that it should have, it does possess something. Yes. So so we yes. we never choose lack. We don't choose evil. We right. choose the good within itself. And so we're right. not choosing the evil of the of the of the exile. It is evil. Right. It it is not right. it should not be there. But then we look and we say, Oh, what is this? Oh, I where is this in within the story. Oh, yeah. I can discover this right here. Oh my gosh, look, this is the tradition of our church that we would have to wait for three months outside yeah. of the church yeah. and do yeah. live streaming. We, that we would, you know, this is <laughs> yeah. the truth. I mean, it's, you know, quote unquote, you know, we can hear the bells, but, yeah. Yeah, but right. now I can say, oh, I can choose that. Yes. This is the penance that has been assigned to us by the perfect will of God. And then all of a sudden for, it's free. It's free. And now we're participants in Christ. We're not mere slaves of a system that that is we are the, participants. We're participants. We no are participants. one
1: body and not victims. And this right. is right. this is right.
0: if there's anything in this age yeah. that we must fight, it is yes. the, the victim mentality that, that we cannot live. That yeah. it will destroy us. It will destroy the bonds that have been established within the church. Yeah. It will destroy the bonds that have been established within civilization. It will destroy the bonds if we say we are m- but mere victims. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So There's so much more I want to say. But we got to go say mass. So yeah. So let's participate. So as they say in elementary school, great participation. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> wow, what a great note to end on. That's the title
1: for the podcast. <laughs> All right. Love you. Thanks, guys. everybody. We'll see you next week. Okay. Sounds good. The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org AICT. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Uh, that is the way that we can grow and get the word out to more people. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.